Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Well, hello, Mark. Hello, Matt. <laughs> How are you? Good. Very good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good over here. I'm having a super productive day. Awesome. And yet you took a break to talk to me. Yeah, exactly. I got to say hi to my favorite piece. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Yeah, man. So what's new? What's going on? How was your week? Yeah, it's been a very productive week. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm coding. Uh, it's, going, it's going pretty well. Like I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with the, the new way that Rails does JavaScript. Okay. Because we're yeah, talking I, everything server-side rendered and how, the, how that gets sent to the front? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like you have Hotwire, which is the way that HTML gets transferred over the wire to the, to the client. And then there's already built-in JavaScript that will insert it at the right place or replace right. it or append it. Mm-hmm. But if you still want some reactivity in places... Like you still have to write JavaScript, and for that you use Stimulus. Okay. And I find it so verbose. Like mm. I'm I'm used to Vue. Okay. So so I mean yeah I could just install Vue if I wanted, but mm. the problem is that f- that uh, framework that I bought like it's using Hotwire and Stimulus, and mm-hmm. so if I go and add Vue, well then I'm just making my bundle even bigger, right? Yeah. <laughs> just just because I don't like Stimulus. <laughs> So it seems like okay. I I, got, I just gotta use it, but it just seems so verbose. Like mm-hmm. it, with Vue, it's so simple. Yeah, like you just add a, a small attribute here and there, and like already it's like it's reactive. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's small regrets, but <laughs> but I'm powering through anyways. Oh, that's good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, like simple things, right? Like what was I trying to do? Right. So so like one of the during the flow, mm-hmm. someone. So of course, just to recap, this is all for member row. Mm-hmm. So, if someone wants, like they've created an account, they've connected their Airtable account. So now, I I asked them, all right. So, which table holds your membership information? So like, mm-hmm. what table will your member rows be in? Right. Right. So then they pick a table, and once they pick the table, then. I need to go fetch all the fields and display them in another pull down. Mm-hmm. Right? So like that's like a, it's a really simple case, right? <laughs> it's yeah. just you know select something then but it's so many lines of code that I have to write in stimulus to do that. Mm. And I, I tried to do it just using what they call turbo streams or turbo frames. Okay. And uh I was just I don't know. It doesn't always work and it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But at this point I'm just I don't care if it's ugly. I'm just trying to to get it to work. Right? Yeah, totally. But but it has to be easy, though. It has to be for the end user. It has to be easy. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to have them have to fill out a, a huge form and then submit. Yeah. And then I do. Like, that would be the Rails way, right? Like, do you all the validation server side, and then you respond and say, "Oh, you forgot this field." Or, right. So I'm trying to do like step by just one step at a time. Like, mm-hmm. Which table, all right, which field, and then continue. Yeah. So, but but that's done. Uh, and my form builder is done also. It's pretty nice. pretty sweet. Like cool. It's, it's not like a, it's almost exactly like the Airtable 
form builder, which is okay. which was my goal. Yeah. The only difference is Airtable supports like drag and drop of fields. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it was like, how the hell do I do this with stimulus? And I found some components, but it was like just such a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> in the end, I just put some up and down arrows. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's good enough for now. Like you want, mm. you want to move up that field in the form? Well, just press the up arrow a few times. And it's going to go up and up and up. And yeah. Or you want to delete it, just press the little delete button and it, it will disappear and go on into the left column. Yeah. And on, on the left column, there's a plus sign. So you click there and it adds it to the form. So mm-hmm. it's like it's functional. But at least it, it looks like the Airtable form designer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I got that. I got uh, defining permissions. I'm still not happy about the uh, the user experience but it like I was I basically right like you, you create a form so now I want to be able to ask the user well who's allowed to create a new record with this form right and can this form be used for updating existing records or you know can it be used for deleting records also right but I, I couldn't find a concise way of like listing all those those scenarios, those permissions. Right. So at first I thought I could just like limit them to a a subset. So -hmm. basically you either create or you can create, update, delete. Yep. And and then you can do it anonymously, which means you're not logged into the site Mm -hmm. or you can do it logged in as the rule that you defined in the previous step that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I think I just, I just, made a bunch of check check marks <laughs> so you you basically you pick and choose which ones you want right and at sometimes it feels like some combinations there probably would never come up right like do you really want to be able to delete anonymous records yeah no way <laughs> it's well i mean i that's my gut is no no way but but maybe like yeah like you know like I don't want to limit anybody's like ideas. Like if someone has an idea for I don't know a totally anonymous like message board, mm-hmm. it's like well why not? You could you could delete other people's stuff. Who knows? Like <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine what I would build, but if someone wants to build it, they'll be able to. Right. So that's the approach I took in the end. It's like you just have to check each permission that you want. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's done. So now I'm I'm at the point now where I just have to write the JavaScript that they're going to insert into their web page. Amazing. Yeah, and then that the part that's going to render the the forms or the login or registration page. Yeah. Uh, and the next thing is, which is I'm still not sure about all the scenarios, but it's like what what happens after someone submits a form. So like I want to I want to give a bunch of choices for the. The person who's designing the form yeah so or even the registration form let's say after someone registers mm-hmm. do you want me to redirect them somewhere do you want me to just close the modal and refresh the page mm. or do you want me to to move on to another form automatically yeah. Yeah. so like those are the three scenarios i could think of right mm-hmm. but then it's the same thing for forms when you fill out a form like yeah it's like if you're creating a new record, what do you want to do afterwards? Do you mm-hmm. want to do you want to redirect to another page or same thing? Close the modal, refresh yeah. the page. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, 
So what I'm doing is I'm I'm thinking of a bunch of these other little things I want to build on the side. Yeah. And I'm thinking of like, what would I do for that? Mm. Like, you know, if I'm going to build a, a job board, let's say, like, what, what what's the functionality that I need? Mm. I mean, it certainly sounds like you nailed it. Of just like, yeah, like whenever I submit something, the act is to take me somewhere or to augment something that's in front of me, in which case you would close and refresh or... Yeah, like be redirected somewhere. Yeah, or like I, it would be we. Like I, I can't think of many times when you would submit something and you would receive no visual feedback on the page that you were just on. Right. I'm just like, thank you for submitting this, and it's just like you're still on the page. I don't know. That that would be kind of strange. Yeah, because because also, I haven't talked much about this, but I also want to provide API a, APIs, mm-hmm. so that if you want, let's say you you had a you wanted to add comments, let's say, to a page, right? So yeah. let's say, or you have a product and you want to add reviews. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there should be a button to add a review. So when you click that, it opens up that form that you design for yeah. leaving reviews. If the user's not registered, well, then it actually goes to the registration form. Mm-hmm. So, but let's say they are registered, it'll go to the form, they fill it out. Um, so then it needs to close the modal, like just to p- display a confirmation message, close the modal, but then reload the page because the page is going to use the API to load all the reviews. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, if you're using Power Importer, then then you don't have to do that because eventually Power Importer will, will add it to the site and mm-hmm. the review will appear. Yes. But let's say you wanted to fetch, to actually display reviews instantly oh yeah. then you would use an api right yeah you would need a hook to be like power importer do a sync now or yeah even if it's record id i, I don't know i mean I'm, I'm not sure how you do it but yeah like facilitating that immediate sync but i'm thinking also providing an a, a javascript api that people can use like client side mm. so they can they can just using react or view or any any language they want they could just call the API will give me all the reviews because mm-hmm. right now they can't do that with Airtable because Airtable's because they would have to put the API key like oh. in their in their JavaScript mm-hmm. so I want to provide this like basically it's a cores proxy yeah for for Airtable's API so it might be like too advanced for a lot of the users because because if really there are no code developers, they're not going to know how to how to add, how to loop, you know, call an API, loop through the results, and yeah. use a template and mm-hmm. render the template. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, th- I I see where you're going with it, and that makes perfect sense. But your reasoning also makes perfect sense. I guess that's going to be one of those things. Like you do your launch, and then you start talking with people who are using it or want to use it, and see what they see. What yeah, they like it's not something I was going to build for the for the first version but it's definitely it's definitely on the roadmap like I want it to be for anyone who's low code that they will be able to use the APIs that come with the forms and all the member row integrations right and then they can just say well you know just design a little template and say all right then just call this API and automatically it will it will render that template for every record that the API returns so I think it, it It'll be pretty low code. I mean, that's my goal, at least. Yeah, yeah, because that'd be a really nice feature. Yeah, like I was thinking, 
like I like Alpine. It's it's inspired by Vue, but it's very lightweight. Okay. So I think I could redistribute that so that it wouldn't be too much too much JavaScript. Right. But then I I could just generate the code for them. Like here, here's the yeah. code. Right. So so design your template and then add these attributes to that template and uh, and then that embed this little snippet of code that I generated for you and it's gonna just take that template and just generate the results for, for whatever the API returns. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like I could totally see that of just like, it's almost like the um, the Boolean condition creator of just like, when this dropdown equals to greater than blah, 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 like anything you, when you're trying to build the UIs or something inside of like Google Sheets or something. It's like, oh, this field greater than this, then make it green or, or whatever. Right. And then just like, yeah, you're just generating code in the back. And like realistically, just like you say, it's not even like you're going to be generating a ton of code or anything. It's like, no, it's the same loop. It's just there's like a field name that you're going to be checking on and they're telling you what field name to look for. So. Yeah, exactly. Let's say, yeah, just generate a template and add these attributes to it. Yeah. And the snippet that you already added for member row will automatically detect these attributes and call the right API and generate the results. Very cool. Yeah, but for now, I think just just being able to open and close the modal and mm-hmm. redirect to different pages should be enough to... Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a solid MVP. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've been working on. I think I think I'll have something by the end of this week. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Otherwise, last week I had a pleasant surprise. Like I I received the MakerPad newsletter like mm-hmm. I that I received several times a week. Mm-hmm. And I just skim through it, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I see the power importer is on on it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, because my understanding was that you had to pay MakerPad to make a ser- series of tutorials for you. Okay. So like you would hire them to make like a maybe a series of eight different tutorials. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was on my to do list. Like eventually, I should reach out to them and and get this done. Mm-hmm. But at, at first, I didn't because it was really expensive. Okay. And I, I did not have the revenue for that yet. How much is it? Uh, like just the top of my head, maybe a few thousand bucks. Like okay. For, yeah. So yeah, so so I never got around to it. But then all of a sudden I see there's a tutorial for Power Importer. Mm-hmm. So I click on it right away, go watch it. And I recognize the voice right away that it's it's Sarah, who, Sarah No Socks. Mm-hmm. Who I've I've been on her podcast before, and we've been in a few meetups together. And yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea she was working on this. And Sweet. She just built it, and <laughs> yeah. So I DM'd her. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So when did that come out? I I don't remember. Maybe last Tuesday. Okay. And have you noticed like a big spike in traffic? MakerPad is like, to my understanding, it's the it's the no-code platform, or like no-code space. Like everybody's. Yeah, it's it. definitely. I think it's the biggest community. Um, unfortunately, there was no backlink, so I can't. I can't measure oh. exactly how many people came from it. Okay. But uh, yeah, actually, I, the the very next day, I looked at my analytics to see, and yeah, direct traffic had almost doubled. <sighs> so like maybe that's all from there, mm. but. Uh, I, I didn't look at it afterwards because so, who knows how many people only read the newsletter like a few days later or mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if it was posted also inside the community somewhere. Right. But mm. uh, it's all good. That's wild. Super yeah. <laughs> cool. Man, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I didn't do anything. <laughs> you you were omnipresent. That's your I guess. That speaks to your uh, to your community involvement. Yeah. That's great. So that was my marketing for the week. There you go. You don't have to do, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, otherwise I've been I've been totally neglecting marketing. Hmm. Well, that's understandable. You're busy. Yeah. Like I, I used to go in the forums every single day. Mm-hmm. So I have like a part of my productivity process is every morning I I generate this like to-do list. Mm-hmm. So there's some recurring tasks that get added to it automatically. And, and it's also a document for me to log what I'm working on. So I take notes of what did I do today or make sure I'm still on task. And mm-hmm. I'll add my most important tasks to it. Um, so I'm able to see like, oh, when's the last time that I that I went to the Webflow forums? Because that's one of the recurring tasks that appears. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I when I went last week, I think it had been like five days I hadn't been. Oh whoa! Like it was, yeah. It was just I never got around to it. It was like no, 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 too busy coding. Yeah. So, but but it was okay. Like mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's nice to be the very first comment on someone's question. Yeah. But uh, I'm always surprised that. Often stuff doesn't get answered for at least five days. Like, wow. Or I guess would never get answered if I didn't answer them. <laughs> sure. So yeah, maybe I should. I should only do it every second day or mm. every three days. Yeah. If I want to save time. Yeah, potentially. Interesting. Well, it's certainly an edge that you have. If there are competitors, anything like that, like your being so responsive definitely keeps you at the top of the funnel, or at least the top of the mind. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been. It's been worth my time to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was my week. Cool. How was your week? Yeah, my week was really good. Um, spent a bunch of time uh, working on uh, this Webflow idea. And I think one of the big things that I'm really happy about last week was my freelancing. Um, definitely there was a lot of attention that needed to be paid to it. And I was like, go away. <laughs> I'm putting up boundaries. Leave me alone. Nice. Uh, and I did that successfully, so I'm I'm really pleased with that because it's I mean it's just the common recurring thing that takes me away from my work, so that's that's really nice. So last week I really spent a lot of time coding. Um, so right now what I'm doing is <laughs> with the Webflow idea, um, with you know breaking the 10k limit, I'm st- I'm trying to understand what's involved with and the technical feasibility of. You know, how do I create a kind of like template out of the rendered exported page? Um, so what I figured out basically is the expo- the export route, not going to work. Uh, not going to work because the pieces that are exported, uh, too much is removed. It, like you're missing things like class names, things like that. Like it's just not going to work. But the published page works great. So I can always look at the published um, output and then say, all right, um, how can I figure out what the, uh, like where the template, like how do I create a template out of this? So that comes with pitfalls as well. Um, <laughs> because I was thinking about doing things like, you know, maybe I could create some kind of canary of like, all right, well, I'm going to load an example, um, like an example row into your CMS with a bunch of placeholder values and I'll push them to the, uh, 
to Webflow, or I'll put them in the CMS, and when I hit publish, that canary piece will show up. But that work that works but doesn't work because if you're using something like JetBoost, for example, or even if you have a sort applied to your page, I can't really guarantee that that canary entry is going to show up. I have to play with the page or I have to do something to, to manipulate it to make sure that it shows up first. So it's not really, it, it, it's good, but it's not great. Um, so the last thing that I found was just to use that internal DOM representation like I was talking about. So last week, um, right before we recorded, I had, was able to create a representation of the, of the DOM tree based on that, based on the output of that, um, you know, that endpoint, that internal endpoint. And what I've been able to do now is I've recreated that tree and I've, uh, I've inserted template language into it. So in Python, there's a popular one called Jinja. So now I've created a Jinja, I've inserted um, Jinja template engine markup into the HTML document where all of the placeholders would be uh, from my simple like t-shirt store. So now I've got, um, so my very simple page with a, dyna with a dynamic list with the template language in it. And now I've, so right now I'm super close. I have the, I have my like markup injected <laughs> or my, my template engine injected DOM. And I have the published HTML document from Webflow in the staging environment. And now I'm traversing them in step um, because all of the elements are still there. Like I can't miss any divs, I can't miss anything. So as long as I can traverse in the same order, I'll be able to find items and then say, okay, uh, there's an attribute here that contains Jinja markup. I'm going to take that and transpose it onto the rendered published HTML. So my goal now is to have that published version that came from the staging environment with the values removed and my Jinja template, or my Jinja, yeah, I don't even know what the right thing to call it is, my Jinja code inserted into it. And I'm fucking close. I'm super yeah. close. <laughs> I'm so jealous. It looks so fun. <laughs> yeah, it's... I love, I love reverse engineering shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm super close, which is good for a couple things. So first of all, like my my example is so small and simple. <laughs> it's very very simple. So as soon as I get to things like multi-reference fields or whatever else, it's going to it's going to blow up. But the nice thing is that um, I can be paid to test my assumptions going forward. Right. So as soon as exactly. I have this working, then it's like great. Now I can go out and start talking with people and understand how they're using it and that sort of thing. Um because yeah, I just understanding that this was fee technically feasible was something that I needed to know for myself. And you know, there's a couple of people out there who are doing um, manipulations and other things, and I was curious of how they were doing their work. Um, so I needed to like make sure I knew, okay, it's possible. So I actually should have that done either today or tomorrow. Um, that my proof of concept should be done. I'm very close. So once that's done, uh, I'm putting all the code down, and it's just chatting with people. So I need to come up with a uh, I need to come up with a couple of stop gaps, I guess. Like, a I need to be able to talk to, you know, I don't know what the number is. Let's call it ten people that are either approaching this problem, have this problem, whatever, and are interested, and or at least can tell me. Look, I think maybe an important thing might be find people who are you who are heavily using the CMS, like they have a lot of entries, and then ask them things. Understand those people. What are you doing? How are you using this much? 
Is it user-generated content? Is it something else? Trying to understand that. And then from there, uh, understanding more like, okay, well, are you going to hit the 10K limit? What are you going to do? I, I kind of need to start coming up with a list of questions. I'm going to reread the mom test and kind of have that help me calibrate, okay, what are the highest value pieces here? And trying to find, okay, what are people searching for? How, how are they trying to solve this problem? What, what's the deal? So, um, so as soon as I get the technical feasibility down, I just need to come up with my list of questions and I'm just going to hit the pavement and start chatting with people. Um, yeah. So made a ton of progress and was super productive. Um, and yeah, that should hopefully that'll bear fruit this week. I'm going to, I mean, it'd be nice to start chatting with people this week. I mean, it all depends on people's availability. So, but at the very least, like getting people on the books is my, yeah. is my goal. I mean, you could, yeah, I mean, obviously you can, if you search in the forums, you'll find some. Yeah. 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 I've already spotted a few Google searches, a few places. I kind of have them bookmarked. So I'm just going to DM some people and, and see what I can, see what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. So that was wicked fun. <laughs> that it, it was, uh, there's some pretty complex work in there of like trying to understand all this stuff, but, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a fun challenge. So, um, so other than that, um, yeah, I've been doing, uh, my freelancing has been fun and fine. Um, been running into some really interesting problems lately that I like, I, I just need to rant about this. Cause like, I don't understand. Like, okay. <laughs> Whenever you take a dependency on something, you're like, okay, I have a version. It's like, here's my library or RPM or whatever, and here is here is the version that I want. I have never heard of, I don't know what we call them, like artifact repos or sites that host these binaries. Like I've never heard of them dropping dependencies. And it's happened to me twice in one month where like our build will reference like um, it happened with um, OpenSSL. We're using, I think we're using Buster. So it's, you know, it's an old release, an old Debian release. But we were using, we were tied to a fixed version of OpenSSL. And all of a sudden our build stopped working. And I was like, why would, the, why would that stop working? And I looked at the package you know, provider or whatever, and they just randomly dropped that package. They're like, oh, this other package is better or something. I don't know. Like, I guess this is the problem with old releases. I don't know how often you would maintain these old versions of things. I don't know. Either way, I find it weird. I find it very weird that these providers drop dependencies. Like you're breaking people's stuff. Like why do that? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Like I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like you're confused in solidarity with me or you're confused about <laughs> the problem in general. <laughs> Both. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, What's the, what's the concrete example? It's yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. an OS dependency? Uh, so like OpenSSL, like the OpenSSL library, um, or I guess it's like a, the OpenSSL, it's not a library. I mean, it's a program. It's like a thing that you would install through RPM or YUM. Um, I don't know what we call it, like an OS util, I suppose. Okay. Um, and it's like, all right, I want to install OpenSSL. And this is the version that I want. So it's like, great, I'm going to go to whatever it is, rpm.openssl.com. And I'm going to say, I want version 3.01 or something. And that's the version I'll pull. But for some reason, rpm.openssl.com is like, oh, we don't, that we were dropping that version. That ver You can't download that version from us anymore. Huh. And yeah, no, that's, that's weird. Like I'm, I'm more familiar with Ubuntu. Sure. And Ubuntu like 
caches like um, hosts all the packages themselves. Yeah, and I don't think they ever do that. I, I for would, for for a fixed version, like let's say you install, you know, version eighteen zero four, like mm-hmm. you know, OpenSSL is going to stay there forever. Yeah, it's going to be an old version, but it's going to stay there forever. It, 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 that's exactly the behavior that I would I would expect. Like you know, it's a version of something. Like you've published it, you've you've you know planted a flag to say we've created this version. Um, I cannot see a reason why you would ever. <laughs> Why you would ever get rid of it? That's so it's so weird. Um, but it's happened twice on two really? different packages. So it happened for OpenSSL on this like old version, um, whatever. We were using Buster, and then all of a sudden, build broke. Can't find this package, so I had to bump. I had to bump the version. I was like, I hope this doesn't break anything. Like, oh, okay. Um, and then it happened again uh, with a weirdly with a with Maven. I think. Like there, we were using three eight one or something, and then the whatever repository they were pulling the binary from, they were like, "Oh, you can't no three eight one is gone. You have to use three eight three or like a patch release." And it's like, "What is going on? Like, why did you drop such a small thing? It's not like was it like a security concern? Like, I I don't get, I don't get this." So yeah, I've just been like trying to do things, and then all of a sudden my build is broken. And I'm like, "What did I break?" And you look at it, and you're just like nothing. <laughs> Yeah, that is so frustrating. Yeah, just a waste of time. No, exactly, right? It's like, that's not what I was, that's, that's not what I wanted to do today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, a part of me is looking at it and it's like, are, are we just taking dependencies from bad places that are doing this? Or I wonder if, or maybe it happens more often than I think it does. Because in my mind, this should never happen. Um, or, because do you remember, this reminds me, it reminds me so much of, um, left pad do you remember the story of left pad okay so the story the story of left pad this happened uh five years ago six years ago um so there was a dude who had a um he was a a developer on npm and he had a bunch of repos for javascript libraries and like in the javascript javascript world there's tons of these tiny little libraries everywhere and everybody just reuses them. Uh, so this guy had a library called Kik, K-I-K. And there was a company that said, hey, we are called like kick.com or something like that. And we want we want the K-I-K library. So they approached the developer uh, who, who with this open source library. And they're like, hey, we would like the Kik, Kik library. Can we like buy it from you? Or like, can we have it? And he says, no. And they say, "Well, can we buy it from you?" And he says, "Go to hell! Like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk to you." So they said, "Okay." So the so this company contacts NPM and says, "Hey, um, this guy has a library. It's called Kick, and it you know maybe they tried to say you know um, copyright infringement, sure, like some some bullshit." Um, so NPM says to the developer. Hey, we're gonna give that repo to this company. Um, you you should move your code. And the guy says, "Fuck you." He goes completely ballistic. Is like, "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck npm, fuck everything." I'm pulling all my code off of it. Just nuclear, right? Just like <laughs> went full scorched earth. <laughs> Just this is over. No, developers never do that. <laughs> <laughs> so he was. So he he goes ballistic. Um and. He says, I would like, I want you to remove all of my packages from NPM. And uh, 
that is hard to do, it turns out. It's hard to just remove things. So NPM has a, <laughs> has a command or something called unpublish. So they're like, okay, we'll do that, no problem. So they unpublish all of his libraries. So he had a package called left pad that all it did would add white space to the left of something, like that's it. And it turns out that this library was a major dependency for a ton <laughs> of projects. So of everybody woke up the next morning and were like, why is my build broken? And it took a while for people to figure out like, what happened to this library? So like the, all builds were broken for like a long time until somebody was, was contacted NPM and was like, I found an old version of this. I will publish it, but you have to give me the, you have to give me left pad so that we can publish this right. so that everything will just resolve. And NPM was like, oh God, thank you. So they just like, yeah. So I think <laughs> maybe, I don't know who owns left pad now, but yeah, it like broke the internet for a couple of hours. <laughs> And most people didn't even know they were using it, right? Exactly. It was it was the dependency of a dependency, like exactly. Yeah. Fucking left yeah. pad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's just like these versions disappearing is fucking bizarre. So it's my technical rant for the for the week. Just stop wasting my time. Keep your right. artifacts up. Is it really costing you that much? So yeah, other than that, that was kind of the most, the majority of what I was working on this week was technical. Um, everything else was kind of like business related stuff. Like I'm getting ready to do my taxes. So I'm going back <coughs> through my documentation for the year and everything like that, just to, just to get everything square. And I was looking at my, my invoices and my accounts and everything like that. And I realized this year, like I made real money, like between the consulting that I did and the freelancing that I've done, like, I made real money. Um, nice. I feel really, really good. Because this is my first, like, I, I went, I left Upgrade, my last job at, I left the beginning of September in 2020. So it's been a little more than a year. And I don't know, I'm just like, I'm sorry? Wasn't earlier than that? No, no. I went part-time. I, I was working, right. working part-time. Right. I worked part-time for a year and then I left. So I've been independent now for a year. Okay. And it just, it's such a cool feeling to think like I did that. Like I went out and got, a, I got contracts. I went out and sold people things and got paid for right. value that I created. Um, it's a reminder that like, no, I can do this. Like yeah. I've, been, I've been doing it. I'm doing the thing right now. I'm making a living for myself. Yeah, exactly. The people's first reaction when you tell them you quit your job is like, it's like, oh my god, that is so risky, and yeah, you know, like, and in the end, it's, well, I mean, uh, uh, of course, we're privileged that we're in the industry that <laughs> yes, <laughs> that has a high demand, right? I mean, obviously, not everyone has th these opportunities, but but for us, yeah, making money is on the side is easy. Yeah. So yeah, I've just been. Kind of like I've had a nice glow about me today. Nice. Just that, I, man, I, I'm doing it. Like I was so scared of what it would be like to make money, to 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 be in charge of my own destiny, and what it means to make a dollar. And it's like, yeah, I made I made dollars. Like I made real dollars. I can live. I can afford to live. I'm not like in you know I'm not balling out of control. That'd be sweet. But <laughs> Vegas, but, baby. Yeah, exactly. Put it on black. Let's go. <laughs> 
but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm making it happen. I, I can live. And, and I'm nice. not living in squalor. I'm not eating rice and beans. You know, I'm not eating filet mignon, but I'm, I can, I can live comfortably. I, I'm very, uh, I, I feel amazing. I, I just, it's, it was so cool to like look back at it all and be like, holy shit, like I made real money. This is awesome. Nice. So does that like extend your runway for? Oh, like- yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to, I'm continuing to freelance because, you know, like right. I don't have anything else to do. Well, that's not true. Like I'm working on, I'm, I'm working on my own stuff, but yeah, I don't have but to. But it's only two, it's only two days a week though, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And as long as I continue to set up clear boundaries between my work and so that I can get work done and freelancing work, then, then this is great. Like I have no reason, real reason to stop. And as long as my client will continue to have me, then why not? Right. And if that contract ever ends, like, do you, f- do you feel like, oh, you'll have plenty of runway to, yeah. to not have to l- find another contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, like what is an emergency fund? So, you know, I've kind of done my own financial planning for a while. Um, well, like, I've done my own financial planning. I do financial planning for a while. I have a, a budget that I stick to and I review my finances every month and that kind of thing. So right now I'm trying to move into that mode of like, okay, well, how much money do I need to live? And then when is it danger zone time of like, okay, I, I was dropped from a contract or I decided to leave. When do I need to go find a new one? When do I need to move into austerity? Cause it's like right now I pay myself, you know, X dollars a month. When do I need to spend a lot less than that in order to, um, in order to conserve my runway? Uh, Cause right now, like, I'm kind of in this middle ground of like, I'm not really saving anything. Like I'm really just paying for my own expenses, but I'm thinking now like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to live like that long term, but when, so when can I expect to begin saving again? Um, So I'm asking that, I'm asking those questions to myself, but at the same time trying to figure out like, okay, what is the long, what does the long game look like? Um, So yeah, it's, it, it feels very liberating to look back and be like, yeah, I'm making this happen. This is me. Nice. Yeah. Um, I spent some time going through some of my email lists, my copious email lists. And um, I, I don't know if I was getting emails for them before, but Corey Haynes's um, tiny marketing ideas uh, is all of a sudden, I feel like I've gotten a bunch of them all at once. And I've seen a couple of ideas in there that are just like, oh man, that is fucking wild. Like that's such a good idea. <laughs> It's a shame because to look at them and read them, it's like, oh yeah, this would take a massive amount of effort to do, but oh, it's genius. Like, right. My favorite one that I spotted recently was, um, do you ever see those awards that are like best places to work or like it's the more niche they are, the better. It's like, oh, the, the best places to work in cloud infrastructure on the South shore of Montreal. Like... <laughs> It's like super niche kind of thing. And then they give awards to people or to places that I assume pay to uh, to make it onto these lists. But um, Corey had this hilarious idea of just like, just make up your own awards. Make up your own awards and give them to people. And people like getting awards. So they'll backlink to you. So I was just thinking like, oh, that's right. really nice. <laughs> that seems great. Like, let me go out and find a bunch of no-code tools and give them awards you know pay a designer to come up with some really nice high-res assets and have like a nice blog post and then pin awards on people and then have them be like oh we won matt's best no code tool award for 2021 q3 (laughs) 
with all that, or whatever, right? And then they have a link back. And it's like, oh man, of course, because it's super highly affiliated traffic or right. highly, a highly affiliated source linking back to you. I should do that. You should. Power, I, yeah. Power and Porter Award. No, yeah, I'll man. Just, I'll just give it to one of my customers. <laughs> there you go. Like, who has the best build? Yeah. So I, I was thinking about this, and it's like, man, if you could figure out how to do that relatively easily, like, hell yeah. Like, I mean, that's great. That would be a, a super useful, uh, uh, could be a very useful or a nice experiment use of time. Yeah, that's a great idea. How come I don't get these emails, Corey? Man, <laughs> I'm part of a uh, swipe files. Ooh. And I guess I guess you don't get automatically added to tiny marketing ideas. Savage. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, they, they're like a bunch of them haven't been very useful for me, but they like this one at least. I was like, ooh, ooh, that's so smart. <laughs> So yeah, I've just been reviewing uh, reviewing a few of these, looking for ideas and, and stuff like that. Marketing newsletters are the best. I love when, like Corey's stuff is very good. So I highly recommend uh, tiny marketing ideas. I guess Corey probably has, I don't spend any time on his website, but CoreyHaines.com probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised it's not part of Swipe Files. Do you spend much time in that community? Not these days. Mm. I've been just, yeah. Mm. Buried myself in the in the coding. Mm. So yeah, swipe yeah swipefiles.com is getting is uh, or that's the site that he points people to. Yeah, some another good example of marketing I saw yesterday was was when Facebook was down for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Cloudflare wrote a great like a, a great article about like what what happened, right? Like oh. even though you know they're not the ones. That that did the fuck up. Yeah, like they were they were able because they they run a DNS service. They were able to see from their side what what went wrong. Okay, so they were able to like write this really great write up about what went wrong and what time did it start and mm. and and the consequences of it. Right, like now because there's no roots to Facebook's pro- web properties, like all the DNS servers are getting hit continuously by all these apps like yeah. so so all the dns servers everywhere like for every isp and for cloudflare they're all getting this increased traffic mm. to, to find out hey where, where the hell's facebook.com yeah it's like a giant denial of service stack yeah but it was but it it was a it was a great article i actually read it like it was it was because i was very curious like you know how does this work like how you know, I thought I thought it was just DNS servers. Like, what is this uh, this other thing they were talking about? Hmm. So yeah, so I so I read it and it put it put Cloudflare in front of more eyeballs. I thought it was a it was great. Nice, very. Of well course, people people in the hacker news community were all complaining about it. <laughs> Why are you writing up about it? You don't know what happened. Yeah. It's like blah, blah, blah. don't read the comments. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, no, seriously, I, I, I always regret when I read the comments. <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not true. It's like this, once in a while you find these great threads and mm-hmm. like people, stuff, people are funny or they're really insightful. And, but then often it's, it's pure garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and in this case, yeah, a bunch of people complaining, 
you know, you have no right to write it up. This is just a, a stupid publicity stunt. And mm. it's like, no, well, Facebook is not saying a word, right? So, and here they actually, they actually know what's going on. Like, they can't tell you why it happened. Yeah. That, that's Facebook's job, but they can tell you what happened. It's like, yeah, all of a sudden, Facebook erased all their rooting information. <laughs> so Yeah, a lot of the screenshots I saw were like, people were doing query lookups, and the result of the query would be like, Facebook.com is for sale. And you're like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. It's, you, couldn't, you couldn't buy it, but... Mm. Some some websites like that, they just check if, if the domain's available. Exactly. They assume it's for sale. Yeah. If there's no DNS records, they're like, yeah, for sure. Exactly. It's for sale. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a really good article. And it was perfect timing. And, yeah. And yeah, sure enough, Facebook released something today and it was pure garbage. It was oh, just really? absolutely no information. Yeah. Just, oh, our users and businesses are important to us and we're sorry. It was just... It was just horrible PR. I mean, yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, like, just something happened. Sorry about that. I don't know. Like, say it's a 10-word thing. We fixed it. (laughs) Shouldn't happen again. (laughs) We guarantee nothing. Right. But it sounds like it was a disaster. Oh, my God. If if anything, it was worth it. Like, I hope that (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg has realized that he is, that how much this incident has created or contributed to the meme verse because <laughs> the memes that were coming out of this were incredible. Like I, Oh yeah. man. Yeah. I know there's some great stuff on Twitter. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> do you, do you actually spend a lot of time on hacker news? Um, I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time there. I usually go on probably two, three times a day just to look to see if there's anything interesting. Um, a lot of, like, I would argue that most of the time I go, I don't click on anything. Uh, there's nothing okay. that I find super interesting. Um, occasionally, though, stuff will come up. Um, like, I, I read a really interesting article the other day about um, the new uh, garbage collector that's coming out in the next version of Java, Java uh, Shenandoah. Because um, okay. that's like a really interesting. What they've been able to do is fascinating for, like, just in terms of memory management. Now, like, yeah, like we're the performance on it is sick. Um, but I never would have found something like that without Hacker News. But most of the time, I'm, I'm not. Uh, there's okay. nothing really interesting to click on. Because yeah, I I subscribe to a few RSS feeds that are from Hacker News. Mm-hmm. So I have a RSS reader on my phone. So so I'm constantly checking it until I've until I've browse through all of it mm. but yeah i agree i only maybe click on 10 percent of them mm. and sometimes it, it depends i'll just click on the comments because i'm curious what people are saying about it yeah and then sometimes i'll click on the actual article and mm. or website and go check it out yeah, isn't that funny yeah i, I kind of do the same thing like every now and then it's like i check the comments before i check the article yeah mm. yeah i mean because because often like something like looks like it's clickbaity so mm. you go to the comments right away and then you get the summary like from from people yeah so for that I, I find it super useful but yeah unfortunately sometimes it doesn't bode well of my mental health <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just I see people that I, 
I do not like. <laughs> yeah, I uh, there's a lot of I don't know, man. Like every I just don't care what most people have to say. The problem is they could be right or wrong. I don't care. There, there's just a right. lot of jerk people out there, and I don't need that in my life. Yeah, but I feel like it wasn't like that like five years ago or like on Hacker News. I feel like the sentiment has changed. Like the mm. the commenters have changed. There's not not so many hackers anymore. And like in the like the MIT sense of the word hacker, yeah. like, there's not many of them left. It's it seems like most people on Hacker News are just developers working for Fang companies, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just arguing about is Rust better than Go? Yeah, <laughs> esoteric shit. Your monthly or biweekly post about Haskell or OCaml or whatever, right? And yeah. It just like yeah just arguing about about tech stacks and mm-hmm. tech philosophies and yeah and yeah and then once in a while it's it's politics it's vaccines it's Ugh. it's uh nutrition science like yeah. uh I, I always get triggered in those <laughs> yeah i can't oh god i can't do it but yeah i was i was i had an idea for a side project it was like create uh like a real hacker news website mm. uh, same same kind of software like just sharing links and comments and upvoting mm. and uh, to get people to, to switch over you could um, offer to to transfer over their karma from the hacker news ah. so like have them add something to their bio to, you know to like verify their identity yeah and then you just sure there you go there's your karma that's and <laughs> but then but then you wouldn't have the the Y Combinator like kind of influence on it anymore. Mm-hmm. It'd be independent, and hopefully, it would be a lot more hackers. Yeah, I mean, if it was pure like selfish, just for me, it would be a bunch of indie hackers. Mm. I mean, I know there is a website called Indie Hackers, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. I, I just I don't, I don't spend much time on indie hackers. I don't feel like neither do I. It seems to be a lot more self-promotional, and there's not much sharing of interesting things. Yeah, I I, I go on there probably once a day, and I really just look at the first two pages because you can tell right from the headline like, is this something I'm going to engage with? Because mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. It's either, um, it's either self-promotion, which is fine, but I don't. I generally don't engage with it because it's like yeah. it's something about shit that I don't know about. Like it's like, oh, finally you can have somebody manage automatically manage the cleaning of your commercial property, and it's like this, this couldn't be less relevant to me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's weird. Or or it's people who are like an app that folds your laundry. Would you use this question mark? And it's like this is I don't know like. <laughs> I don't find this helpful either. But every now and then, every now and then, there's some useful stuff, like or at least things I feel like I can meaningfully contribute to. Like I was chatting with some people the other day about incorporating in Canada. Someone was like, "I'm in Ontario. How do I incorporate?" I was like, "Yes, I can actually help this person. I know. I, I went through this. I know." Or somebody was talking about um, this one was quite interesting. They were talking about dealing with doubt, and it sounds like this person was doing has launched a bunch of projects that have done very well but then he's just like i assume it's a him his name is eric but he was like hey you know i i do this um 
uh, I, I quit. I, I start this and I get this far and then I have doubts and then I stop. And he's like, you know, how do we, how do you all deal with doubt? And I was like, let me tell you about doubt, sir. I am the king of doubt. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, that's pretty much it. Everything else is... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so... It's, it must be so hard to start a community because it's all about the culture and how much can you control it? Like, I'm sure at the beginning you can... with some very exact moderating you can kind of mm. kind of nudge people in the kind of culture do you want mm. to cultivate but yeah. I actually find that the um, the uh, microcon connect slack is pretty good yeah because yeah, exactly when people self-promote people shit on themselves <laughs> well no that's not true they, it's not like a full on like you know execution but people are like this is the community is really like this is not a good look like you really yeah. don't want to do this yeah no and, and there's very little of it consequently like, yeah. yeah that's very good and ironically like indie worldwide which mm-hmm. which was, was like derived from indiehackers.com yeah has a better community on its slack channel than, mm-hmm. that, that i like I, I prefer that community than than the actual indiehackers.com community yeah i think i do too but i don't know is it because we've all met one another online like yeah, it could be so it kind of keeps it more more personal, more yeah. less self-serving. I mean, there's definitely self-promotion on Indie Worldwide as well. But Yeah, there is. I think I enjoy the niche, the more niche communities there. Like there's like a help me code this channel and there's like a few other things and I'm I love being a part of those groups cuz it's like oh, somebody <laughs> comes to me with a technical question. Yay, I can help you. <laughs> and I I love to help people in that way cuz I I know I can. So yeah, how would you create a new hacker community but well let me know when you create it and i'll join <laughs> i'll port my six karma over i know what i need to do i need to build it on top of ntfs nfts i mean i need to build it on top of nfts and everyone's gonna come exactly or a very specific group of people will show up <laughs> no unfortunately i see plenty of them on twitter these days yeah i've been either considering muting the word nft yeah me, me too like i almost did but then like i saw one interesting Ooh. nft usage and then it was like ah, <laughs> you know like because of that one diamond in in a while like mm-hmm. i don't want to mute it yeah. but but yeah seriously the world has gone mad <laughs> yeah well i mean like I, I think my problem is that i should be trying to figure out how to like um what's the term like sell mining equipment like you know during the gold rush like the people who got rich are the ones who sold the picks picks and shovels it's like how can i sell picks and shovels to these people because i think there's so much speculation out there i've been hearing stories about people who will mint an nft for basically nothing and because it's part of the craze or whatever else they're able to just like sell it for 10 times more and even though they're just small amounts, like there's so many people that are speculating, they're like, oh, well, I'll grab this on the off chance that it goes up. And they're like, great, I got my ether or whatever. So great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love crypto and I think NFTs are a great idea. Like the mm-hmm. concept of a non-fungible token is a great concept. Mm-hmm. But art and collectibles, like, I don't know, like when I was a teenager, I collected comic books. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I thought they would go up in value, and yeah, and they did for a while, and then they all crashed. 
and now they're worthless. Mm. And if you've never made any money in the past trading art or collectibles, why do you think it's going to be different now with NFTs? Yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I did dig a little deeper into it and, and I know that it's a little more than just that now. It's like, it's, uh, it's like, they're sort of building these like communities hmm. and there's like a there's like a there's an incentive to for all the nfts in that community to keep to keep uh being traded okay like there's a kick there's a kickback to everyone that i've heard of yeah yeah so it's more like a multi-level marketing scheme like, mm-hmm. so but again like like why like <laughs> why why is, is it going to be different this time like, yeah like sure i'm sure there's people out there that have made money trading baseball cards yeah yeah right but have you yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. why do you think you can do it with you know you have no experience mm. do you think you're going to make money just trading art and collectibles yeah I guess this is it, right? Like, I mean, in the beginning, I always had a tough time with crypto because I was like, oh, but we quote everything in US dollars. Like, what's the point? But it's just, it's whatever we ascribe value to. That's, I mean, that's why gold is valuable. It's, it it is also rare, but maybe it wouldn't, even if it wasn't rare, maybe we still would because it's shiny and nice. So like, we just ascribe money where we ascribe value to these pictures of apes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but Mm. with with Bitcoin and like gold is a perfect example. Like there are millions of people that have held gold in, in history, mm-hmm. like as a store of value. Yeah. Like it, and yeah, it goes up with inflation. Mm-hmm. So like it's, it's a nice, it protects you against inflation. So like it has utility. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not far fetched to like, to then do use Bitcoin for the same thing. Yeah. But I guess like that's the even with you know taking it over to sports cards and collectibles and that kind of thing. It's like oh I I ascribe value to collecting this thing. And I guess the problem or the, the problem or the idea is like oh, okay um, second page or whatever the you know whatever the um, sports memorabilia companies are that print the cards are like oh I'm only going to print five Matt Gale cards and if you want them you know open up a bunch of packs and see if you can find them. Um, but this community is like, oh, the Matt Gale card is very, uh, very important or worth a lot. And it's like, okay, great. But this, this community is so huge. It, it feels so strange because it's just like, oh, I'm, and like, oh, it's a picture of an ape. And like, but it's my picture of an ape. And it's like, but yeah, but, but I can see it too, though. <laughs> oh, but I, but, but I have the title on it. And that's what, see, that's like, uh, that, that's the, that's the part that's weird. Yeah. yeah. I have a tough time crossing that gap mentally. I'm just like, yeah. It's but, like, yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just proof that it's proof of nothing. It's mm-hmm. like proof that you own it. Yeah. Like, you don't own the copyright. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like it, I mean, we've been looking at art for a long time. Like, you know, say there was a picture of a Picasso or, you know, that you you own a Picasso and it's up in your, it's it's up in your house. It's up on the wall. Yeah. But there are photos of that Picasso in art books all over the world. Right. So it's like, I mean, what's the difference there? I could just buy the book. I don't have to buy the, I don't have to buy Well, the I mean, you, you could buy a print that's the full size, True. I guess. You could buy a print too. Like, but I mean, no, the, but, I don't know. But it's interesting because the, the you know, value... You get to see the paint strokes and you get to see like... <laughs> or or the, the texture. But, right. but I guess that's it, right? Like 
to a maybe that's the point like to a collector they're like no the texture is the thing that's important and no to, but i mean i agree there's a there's symbol there's there's a symbol also the fact that you own it mm-hmm. like it's oh it's a flex definitely yeah it's like yeah i own a picasso it's in my living room come check it out and I hung it up in my bathroom yeah it's, and it's yeah sure people people have photos of it that's that's how popular it is right mm. it's like, but i own it yeah, yeah and um, and of course there's also the assumption that it's going to go up in value, right? Yeah. As time passes, mm-hmm. they, uh, there's there are no new Picassos. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and old Picassos are being destroyed by fires or by theft, or yeah. so it's like it's it's rare. Mm. But but at least you get to to enjoy it in, in your living room, right? Yeah. Or like when I collected comic books, mm. I could s- slide them out of their plastic holders and read them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I mean, it'd be kind of nice to print off a photo of an ape and have it up on my wall, I guess. But <laughs> but I can do it. Yeah. But, like, yeah. And like, I can do that without owning it. Which is exactly. Like, okay. But I mean, yeah, like it's it's interesting to see people trading this stuff because I never I never thought they'd be that valuable. But like, was it Gary V? I think Gary V was on My First Million and he talked about NFTs. And I was like, okay. as soon as he started talking about them, I was like, his because his ideas for them were awesome. They were so good. Because his ideas okay. were like, um, like say you went to a basketball game, like a really famous basketball game, and the ticket to go to the game was an NFT. Then you're like, yeah, oh shit, like that's fucking sick. Like that's actually a great thing because it's like, it, it's more of a, like a marker of I did this thing. Uh, and it, it, you could have like and at that point you could have like a trophy room of like oh these are the things that I did and this is like a validation of the fact that I did it um, which I can totally see that, that that's really interesting and I guess like you could make that extension to a photo of an ape or whatever like oh I bought this ape or like fuck yeah but I no, just but loved I mean, his ideas in this case the NFT actually prevents anyone else from entering and taking your seat yeah like, that's that's what's good about it yeah. it's like it it, it can be validated at the door mm. that no no I own this ticket mm. and I could resell it also like yeah. like let's say I can't make it to the game I can sell it before the game mm. and and then there's you know unlike when you sell e-tickets like you could still sneak in and yeah. get your bar barcode scanned before the person who bought your ticket and yeah and then it invalidates theirs right yeah. with NFTs you don't have that problem like you can you can sell it on the secondary market mm-hmm. and then there's no way like you can't prove that you own it anymore so yeah. you can't you can't go steal that seat yeah. and it makes perfect sense yeah, yeah and you know and it's decentralized so you don't have to deal with fucking Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. yeah no it's it's a great technology for that yeah. and then for him like I, I love the idea of being like oh yeah i put together like a memorabilia of my favorite sports team winning the sports cup or whatever it is that they win and you're like, oh, this is the here's an NFT for every ticket for every home game or something like that. Like, oh yeah, this it like completes the celebration of their year. Like, I, I don't know, I love that. I think that's really cool. Oh yeah. Um, just as a, and he, he was saying saying things like concerts. Like, oh, I got a T-shirt from a concert tour, and I have like an NFT that represents the ticket that I paid, bought. And I don't know, like he had all sorts of really interesting ideas. And I was like, oh, this is the guy I need to be listening to. Like, fuck all the stuff over here like this is this is great stuff okay see i i don't understand that part like i mean i guess if you had a ticket stub yeah you could frame it and, mm. yeah because like people the nft 
after the concert is is worthless i don't know <laughs> oh I, I i mean at that point it's just a it, it i don't know it feels a little bit more like there's a thing that happened and and i own this to show that i was there whether or not you actually were i mean the same thing with right because you could sell it <laughs> yeah but yeah i don't, I don't know. know i thought it was but I, I think as an actual ticket i think it's it's a great technology mm. like imagine you yeah, if you had access to a venue, you could easily just mint a bunch of tickets for it. Mm. And you don't have to go through Ticketmaster or any other quasi-monopoly. Mm. Just find a venue, mint your NFTs, and then sell them. And people can resell them if they want. Mm. Yeah, you would just find a way to mark them as redeemed or whatever. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, they would have to burn them at the door. Like, oh, yeah, so, you burn it. Uh. Yeah, so they come at the door and they just they, they transfer it to your wallet. All right, come on in. Yeah, like, oh, that's clever, yeah. So, yeah, that's really all I've got. I've uh, just been working away, hopefully, to have something done by the end of the week. Yeah, I guess I should get back to coding also. Cool, cool. <laughs> I will catch you next week. All right. Cool, man. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> See you later. See ya.